Hello and welcome to the Knowledge Without College podcast. This is your host, Patrick Butler, and today I have an unbelievable conversation to share with you. I just spoke with Chrisman Frank, who is the co-founder and CEO of an amazing company called Synthesis School. You can find it online and I encourage you to do so at Synthesis School uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, he describes it as an Ender's Game for education uh, they are scaling the best ideas from Ad Astra, which is the school that one of his co-founders, Josh Dan, built for Elon Musk's kids to get a better, more interactive education where they would focus on problem solving over, uh, you know, the fo foundational, regular, you know, tool learning that we learn in, in uh, public schools today. I think this is an amazing project, a super important venture, and I am really excited to share this conversation with you. So please, without further delay, enjoy this episode with Chrisman Frank. Hey, Chrisman, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a real honor to have you on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Good to, good to see you, Patrick. So uh, good to see you too. So for the audience out there who maybe is not yet familiar with your work, would you mind telling them a little bit about what you do and how you got here? Yeah, yeah. Well, so I'm the I'm co-founder and CEO of, um, of, a, of a little startup called uh, Synthesis School. And... Um, this uh, that this started when uh, my co-founder Josh was a teacher at LA's Merman School, and uh, one night, parent-teacher conference night, Elon Musk walks in, and he says, "Hey, I don't like this school. My kids go here. I don't like it." And uh, Josh's like, "Oh, okay, sorry." And Elon's like, "Well, I like you though. Maybe you should just start a school for me and for my kids at uh, at SpaceX." And so Josh is like, "Okay, I'll think about that." and uh, proceeds to pretend to think about it all night and uh, tries to wait until it's a reasonable time to email Elon. So like 5.07 <laughs> a.m. sends an email like, hey, I'm in, let's do it. What's next? And then just gets ghosted. So he's just like checking his email, like refreshing over and over uh, for like four months until Elon writes back like, hey, I'm in, let's, you know, let's do it. Like I'll have my people set it up. And so Josh started a school with Elon uh, very small uh, kind of lab school. And, uh, you know, Elon's talked about this in some interviews, but the purpose of it, you know, essentially was to take a problem-solving approach to education. So in, in Elon's view, school is to focus on tools, right? Like you learn you learn a tool before you learn how to apply it to solve a problem. And in his, his view, you know, people are more intrigued or get interested in problems. And so, they, you know, that was one of the principles uh, – that the school started under. And so I, I visited the school a couple of years ago. My son was two, he's about six and a half now. And uh, just to see what they were doing. And it, I was just blown away. They had this one, this one project uh, or this one class called synthesis, which was uh, kind of like team team games. So the kids were learning through these like really complex team, like game simulations, like challenges. 
Um, and the kids were obsessed with it. They just loved it. And it was super complex uh, type of thinking and communication. And I was just blown away by the capability of those kids. And I just thought I got this like sinking feeling in my stomach. Like I, my, my kid's not going to get this and he's going to be at a severe disadvantage. And so how do I, how do I get this for him? And uh, you know, I was living in San Francisco, so not really going to become an engineer at SpaceX or, or anything to get my kid in there. That wasn't going to be a good path. So next best thing, uh, you know, try to convince Josh to start a company with me and, uh, and, and scale up uh, kind of what they were doing in the school. And so that's, we just uh, launched uh, five months ago and we're basically taking that synthesis course, which is the most unique and kind of innovative thing about the school and uh, making it, making it more accessible. So more people can, uh, you know, can learn that way. That's unbelievable. And this is really a, a area that I have so much interest in, you know, obviously knowledge without college, I, I have a huge problem with the current educational system. And that is so, uh, <laughs> your initiative is something I really appreciate because there's so much energy that needs to be put in this place. And I think Elon recognizes it. So many people recognize it, like there couldn't be a better time for it. So what has the response been in the per first uh, five months? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been been pretty crazy. I mean, I think we we started with just people who had applied to Ad Astra, which is a school Josh and Elon created, and you know didn't get in. Like you know, ninety nine percent of people who applied. Um, so we had that. We had kind of like uh, people who are interested in what Josh was doing. Um, kind of started with that, and then uh, it's just grown from there. Like they they you know recommended it to their friends who have recommended it to their friends, and uh, you know we've been growing at about. Uh, at about 9% weekly since, since we started um, in August. And since then we switched to a subscription model in November and it's been like 15% weekly growth since then, which is pretty, pretty crazy. Like you're doubling every four and a half weeks at that rate. Um, and yeah, so that's, so that's been, that, that kind of gives you an idea you're doing something right. Um, but we even knew before that, before we got the growth, we weren't, I just calculated these growth numbers. I wasn't even really, you know, too concerned with that because I was just uh, making sure the kids are having a good time. And, uh, you know, they, they, they definitely, they love it. Like we published some videos on our website about, you know, the kids saying what, what it's about and what they're learning. And uh, yeah, you know, it's, of course, you know, I think the kids really love it. It's like a, you're learning through, you know, playing a game and getting to play a game with other kids. So it's like a more, just more social kind of learning, a much more complex form of learning, you know, compared to what you're normally doing in school, which is like kind of filling out blanks in a worksheet, um, you know, to succeed at synthesis takes a much more complex set of skills. And there's so many different ways to succeed, you know, different, different personalities, you know, succeed in different ways. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been definitely really interesting. Uh, when we first started, we weren't sure are our kids going to like this that aren't the children of, you know, rocket engineers, um, right. Like uh, maybe these kids are just super geniuses and that's why they love it. But, uh, it, you know, it's, as we've expanded, it seems to be pretty much like a close to universal appeal. So yeah, so far so good. Yeah. I, I would recommend everyone go over to, you know, your Instagram page, your website, and watch those videos. Cause it is mind blowing to just see the engagement of those kids and the, the way that they're interacting with the program. It's like, they're all excited. Um, I was, I was struck by that as well. And, mm -hmm. you know, especially when you 
compare that to what's happening right now and over this past year with the switch to virtual learning and everyone just being on zoom classrooms like if yeah. you take the conventional school system and put that over zoom that sounds like misery for a young yeah. kid so you know the yeah. contrast with with uh the synthesis game and uh collaboration is like it's night and day it's unbelievable yeah it's always uh it's always struck me as kind of crazy that you that a lot of you know, internet education is just kind of taking what doesn't work about normal school and then putting it online. It's like, that's, it just strikes me. It just reminds me of like, uh, you know, when, uh, when Edison invented the phonograph, you know, they, they, they thought like, well, okay, good. Now, now people can listen to sermons at home. And like, that was, that was going to be a big use case. Right. Um, and I think we're just kind of there with like online education. It's just like, we're, we're, it can just be so much better. Like when you're learning on the internet, you don't need to just replicate a standard classroom. You can, you can make uh, experiences that you can, you can play with a little bit more, you know, like you can make software to make it so much more dynamic and so much more interesting. And I think we're just scratching the surface of what is possible there. And so how does it work right now if someone was enrolled in this program? Yeah. So right now, I, so our, our ambition is to create something like a comprehensive school on the internet, but starting with just the, th the synthesis class. So it's just once a week. It's uh, you call it like an after school or like it, like an enrichment club. Um, so students just meet once a week and uh, there's a facilitator there. So they're, they're meeting in groups of like 12 to, to 24, something like that. And um, yeah, you just uh, kids show up there's a, there's a game or like some kind of complex problem and uh, there's, there's zero explanation and they're just meant to jump in and, and tackle it and figure out what's, what's going on. Um, so it's kind of like, there's sort of this loop where you're, you know, you get presented with the problem. It's like the, we call it like the analyze phase. Like, so you're, you're kind of just, you know, trying to orient, figure out what's going on, um, decide, like come up with a strategy, come up with a plan then you're actually playing the game and, uh, and, you know, getting, getting feedback that way through your score, through how well you do. And then after that, you're reflecting, like we're talking about the strategy, like, would you do right? Would you do wrong? You won. Is it because you got lucky or is it because you had a better strategy or, you know, you lost, did you lose because you had a poor strategy or did you just get unlucky? Um, so we do those, those kind of like uh, reflections afterward. And then, and then we do it again. So if you're uh, a lot of people are familiar with like OODA loops from uh, the concept from John Boyd, um, that's like, you know, basically what the kids kids are doing. That's sort of the the loops that they're going through. That's very interesting. And, and uh, for the students that are enrolled in this, do you feel like they would uh, prefer to do this full time as opposed to any of their other classes? I think so. It definitely, you know. We, we definitely get that a lot. I mean, probably our biggest, when we ask for feedback from the kids, the biggest thing is like, well, can we, can we do it more? You know, one hour a week is not enough. Um, so we're working on that. We're actually working toward, we, we want to have some version of this where there's no facilitator needed, right? Because then that makes it, you know, uh, much more, much more affordable. Um, if you can j just kind of not have the, uh, the human involvement, um, so we're ba basically, we have like very highly trained, excellent, you know, facilitators, teachers now, and we're kind of like looking at what they do, studying what they do and what they do right. And then trying to, you know, emulate or replicate some of those things in software in order to, uh, to drive the cost down. So it's something that kids can do 
you know, like all the time. Um, Cause yeah, we definitely, definitely hear that, that feedback. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting to, you know, I, I like the descriptor of a facilitator because oftentimes I feel like that's even in the school system, the conventional school system, that's really like what a teacher is uh, often, you know, a lot of times uh, I believe that if you look at what school is for kids, it's mostly daycare. And then there's this whole, then there's this curriculum portion where kids are supposed to be able to learn uh, what they need to know to, you know, uh, graduate at the end and apparently have some skill set that they can apply to life. And oftentimes the curriculum is so watered down. It's so uh, ineffective as far as giving uh, people actual tangible skills. And oftentimes teachers are maybe not motivated, maybe they have tenure and they don't, uh, you know, sort of show up to school with the same sort of uh, enthusiasm that they should when they're, when they're starting out or, you know, if they didn't have that tenure. And it creates this system where the kids are getting the short end of the stick, the teachers aren't happy, and the overall school system is leading to a outcome where we have an uneducated, poorly motivated uh, group of young people in the United States that if you know they had the ability to apply themselves to something more stimulating, I'm sure they could advance at a much higher rate. They could be much more effective in the marketplace at a much earlier age. And uh, overall, you know, it, it seems like while you're just beginning this, this venture here, I can see how this has a huge upside uh, compared to where we're at today, where there's, you know, it's probably as, you know, lame as it could get for the modern world. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. I mean, like definitely one of my, uh, something that's like dear to my heart is just the idea of, of no speed limit. Right. So as I I went to public school, me and my brother both went to public school and it was, I, I get like, I tweet things like kind of, you know, nagging public school, you know, and people come at me about that, but it's like, I I went to public school. Like it was, I, I know what I learned there. Like it's, it's a jungle. It's just like a social, jungle like where you're just you're con you constantly learn to like watch your back and like like who's who's going to be like making fun of you or picking on you and like just you're fitting into this weird status hierarchy that's like completely removed from the adult world which is just totally historically anomalous like we have never done that at this scale and and it and it's horrible and i think you know when you see the kids in some of the, like the 13 14 year old students from like ad astra or, or synthesis they're just you know, they're ready to go like make a ding in the universe. And the way our system works is you're just going to be trapped at a desk for like eight more years, like four years of high school and four years of undergrad. And, and that's crazy. And uh, you know, what we want to build is just something that will give, give kids like a really solid general education um, by the time they're 14. I think, I think by the time they're 14, they can have a more advanced knowledge of the world than most 35 year olds. I really think that's possible. I think, I think people just really underestimate how bad this system is for crippling intellectual capacities and self-determination. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't really have a diagnosis of the system, except that it's just too much. Like it's, it's too much, right? It's, it's too much to keep kids in school so long both both in like the hours per day and the number of years like i really think that's like kind of the core problem if you just take all of that and you reduce it by like 75 percent, i think that would do that would do wonders 
Oh. I, I mean, I, I agree 100%. And the only other problem that I think you've identified also is just the uh, firm grouping together of kids by age group. You know, it's very rigid by age group as opposed to, you know, someone, I'm sure there are second graders out there that have the capacity to be in the sixth grade and to complete all the work that an eighth grader could do uh, if they just had the the you sort of field in front of them to run as opposed yeah. to, you know, the system where all they know is that they're going to have to sit through all these years of school uh, and just take it, you know, lesson plan after lesson plan, you know, section after section, as opposed to being able to apply themselves to advance, uh, which is much more, uh, you know, like if you're an adult in the real world, you can go as fast as you want and you can become as successful as you want as quickly as you want, um, mm -hmm. you know, by applying yourself and doing that extra work. And we sort of teach kids the opposite. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, a lot of the lessons from school, it's not even something that you're taught directly. It's just like what you absorb from, you know, I always, I always connected to this concept of learned helplessness in psychology. Yes. Right? Like where you just, you know, you're just, you're just in school and you can't really do anything to change your situation or, or accelerate it. You just kind of have to be very passive and, uh, and just kind of do what you're told for a really, really long time. <laughs> and I think like we, you know, I think we suffer some kind of trauma from that, you know, that, that lasts that, that, you know, not, not only are we wasting all this time in school, but it takes a lot of time to unlearn what you've learned in school that is counterproductive. So really, you know, you're, you're taking the better part of people's lives. You know, it's, it's like by the time they're like 26 or 27, then they're kind of like ready to function in the adult world. And that's just like, that's crazy. That's like the better, the better part of the best years of your life that could be spent building things and making real connections with people. And, you know, instead you're stuck in this bizarre waiting place. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a crime against our health, you know, like the, the, you know, from those ages of, you know, like high school up until 26, 27, like that's when you're, you're at your healthiest, you have the most energy. That's when you have the most capacity if anything to set yourself up for success in life not after that point, you know, the, the work shouldn't begin after that point. It should be, you should be well on your way by then. Yeah. Well, the good news is I, I really do think this is changing. I think, um, you know, it's not, not maybe not going to be as fast as the people who are, you know, the most progressive would like, but, but I really do think it is. And I mean, I think it's partially led by people like Elon who just like, they hired a lot of people at SpaceX with like very little experience in, in building rockets. And uh, he's talked about not caring about your degree and I think the more, you know, the more people are saying things like that, the more alternative paths they, there are, you know, it's, I, I think, uh, you know, I think there are very good things in the future. I think COVID maybe is the start of like an educational golden age, you know, I think we'll see it that way in retrospect, because it just kind of, um, you know, it's just showing, it's making online education mainstream. And once people start learning online, once people have their kids learning online, you know, you've got kind of like the online services are on an exponential curve where the schools are, you know, stuck in like the mid 20th century. Online learning is is changing and improving at like an exponential rate. So once once people start tapping into that for their for their kids, it's going to be, I, I think, like a pretty remarkable change in the world. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Corona was a, a blessing in this in that way because it, it forced a change that probably would have never happened otherwise to get everyone uh interacting online and doing education online and also for parents to witness how lame the education has That's been right. for their yeah. kids. Right. So, yep. uh, I'm sure, you know, especially 
tech savvy young adults who have kids are looking for alternatives, looking for more of that startup alternative. And I think that's where you're, you're filling that niche perfectly. Yeah. I mean, sort of where, where I think things are going to go is parents will increasingly see it as an irresponsible parenting decision to leave your child's education up to the local school. Even if you have a good local school, like they're, they, for some things, they're just not going to be able to compete with the internet. Like I, I, I've thought for several years now that it's just ludicrous that kids learn math and reading in school. Like this, these are things that you can learn. You can learn the basics like much better with an app. Like my son just learned to read with an app. Like it's, it, it took him very little time and I don't, he didn't have any particular aptitude for reading as far as I could tell. But the fact is it just, it only takes like five hours of hard study to learn the basics of reading. And then since then he's just been reading books. So he, he improves even more because he's just reading like comics or whatever he likes. And, you know, he's building a vocabulary and all that because he's just reading for hours every day. But the actual instruction like is about five hours, like via, via app and like in school, wow. it just, it just takes him. I mean, he's in school now. He just got into a first grade, like a local um, Catholic school. And I was listening in on a zoom class the other day and they're, they're teaching him like, Diagraphs, which are just like pairs of letters, right? Like ch makes a ch sound or whatever. Yeah. And they're learning to name that, and and it's just like, what's the point of this? Like, he already can read anything. Why are yeah. you teaching him this? And it's just like, well, we, you gotta you gotta fill the time, or like somebody told us that we have to teach this. And uh, I I just think as these internet solutions improve, more, there's gonna be more kids like him that are just like, yeah, I already know this because I learned it online in like one tenth the time. And I think eventually, I hope that the schools are just going to be like, okay, we got to focus on what can only be uniquely done in person and just like, we'll leave the internet up. You know, most of these kids' uh, education is going to be on the internet. I think parents, the sharpest parents are going to see it that way and already are seeing it that way. Yeah. I mean, you need to to at least supplement your child's education. Yeah. It's, it, it makes all the sense. Like, you know, the system is designed right now where, they're learning at the pace of really the slowest learner. And, uh, it's a little worse than that. Yeah. I think you're learning at about the 25th percentile or some, something like that. And so it's, uh, it's too slow for, you know, 60, 70% of kids and it's too fast for 25% of them. And they really get screwed because they, you get behind and you can just never catch up. So it's not even, it's, it's worse than that. And you're also relying on consistency of the teacher to be able to deliver the content and to be able to train the class and handle all the students, as opposed to with an online focused education, you're taking the best of the best. You're taking, you know, you can figure out what is the simplest, most effective way to teach a kid to read. uh, And you can apply that to, you know, millions of people, as opposed to hoping that every teacher is capable of delivering that same level of results. Right. Right. And the teacher can, you know, the, every teacher I've ever met, and I met a lot of them, um, they're in it for like the relationships with the kids. Like they, they want to, they, they do not get into teaching by and large to, uh, you know, get really good at classroom management, you know, running a lesson, trying to keep kids in control while you're running a lesson. It's, it's much more about, you know, the, the things that everyone remembers about their favorite teacher, which is like usually just some, some personal connection that 
that has to be done by human that can't really be done by software and is so important. And it's, you know, it's a big complaint that teachers have. So what the most humane thing to do would be to just get, get a lot of this stuff out of the hands of, uh, of the local teachers, you know, put it, put it on the internet and let the in-person relationships, in-person teachers do what they can uniquely do like that. That would be so much better. So hopefully we'll get to that. I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think like the social component of what teachers are able to deliver to students, like in person, that's irreplaceable. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I firmly believe they just need to separate the curriculum from the, you know, social component and, and we'll be in a much, <clears throat> you know, exponentially different place. Tell me, um, let's talk about some of the uh, hurdles or some of the uh, problems with getting this uh, program to be widespread. You know, one thing that comes to my mind is the teachers union and, you know, just how, you know, uh, slow and strong the teachers union and, you know, sort of the current system is. So how do you go up against a giant like that and uh, ultimately persuade them that severe change or significant change needs to happen? I wish I had a good answer to that. You know, I, I, I sort of suspect it's going to be, be the parents, going to be the mothers that are, you know, driving that change when they're, when they're fed up and then, you know, when they've, when they've kind of had enough with it. Um, I've seen some good things about school choice coming up recently, like some of the state legislatures are, you know, making, uh, are, are passing bills related to school choice. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, it's the kind of thing where it wouldn't surprise me if like all 50 states had had school choice, you know, within like five years. And it wouldn't surprise me if 25 years school choice is still not widely available. I just I just have no idea. I'm definitely more certain that middle class parents are going to be that the, the, the trust in the in the institutions right, to all 20th century institutions. This is an idea from Martin Gurry, a former CIA analyst who kind of looked at like, why do we have all these uh, protest movements around the world, you know, kind of all of a sudden, Arab Spring and, and you know, a bunch of others. And uh, it just seems, it appeared to him that these institutions are just losing trust and there's kind of like a trust vacuum. Yep. And so I'm, I'm much more certain that parents are going to be turning to the internet for the internet, like some school on the internet or, or education providers on the internet are going to be the most trusted, much more trusted than, than the local schools. Um, so I see that as kind of, it's like a partial exit from the system, but you know, maybe a lot of people will be like me, like where your kids will be in a lo- like a local school where you have like a local Catholic school for the community and, uh, and for the, the peer relationships and everything like that. And the daycare a little bit, um, but we're not thinking of that as like his education. That's just like where he goes during the day and like education, something we take into our own hands um, at home. I'm much more confident. Like we're going to see a lot more of that um, as far as like how to change the system, get rid of grade levels and all that. I just, just have no idea. I'm interested if anyone's working on that and has a good plan, but I, I've got no, no clue. I mean, I think even just the transition, like you said, of middle-class parents understanding that the education of their child is going to be a different thing than that, than the school that they're going to and the lessons that they're doing there, um, you know, that 
just exodus of people acknowledging that I think could put the pressure on the school system to change and uh, adapt. And uh, I think school choice would be, you know, if, if you had a fully fleshed out curriculum uh, at synthesis where it's an option for parents to basically spend their school dollars on a program like that, I think yeah. in that scenario it becomes, you know, there's no chance the existing system remains uh, for much longer. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, who knows? I, like I said, I can, I can see it. I can see it changing very fast because I think with COVID the schools have lost the, the trust that of, of the public is just uh, in free fall in, in the trust the public has in schools in free fall. So as far as how that translates into political action, you know, I have no idea, but it's probably, there's never been a better time to change things and, and do a little bit of a reset. Certainly. Certainly. Uh, what would you, what do you imagine for synthesis, you know, let's say five years down the road, you know, they, I know you're focused right now on this core, uh, you know, one hour program that is very, uh, you know, there's collaboration, team building, problem solving for the students. What are some of the other dimensions of education uh, or skills could you teach students with other programs, other other classes? <laughs> yeah. So have you read Ender's Game? I, I did a, a quite a while ago because it was on Elon's Elon has a list of like must oh, you know, it really? books he recommends. Yeah, and Ender's oh, Game. I didn't is on even there. know that. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So synthesis is is like Ender's Game in in my view, right? And like for those who haven't read Ender's Game, like it's about a futuristic society that has an alien invasion coming, and they've got some time to figure out how to deal with that. And so they set up this academy. They put kids in the academy and they train them to be starship commandos. And basically, by doing you know something similar to what we're doing at synthesis, like team games. Uh, the game always changes. So when you master one level of the game, you just, you bump up a level in the complexity of the game and in your competition. And that dynamic kind of helps them figure out like who's really, really good at this and how do we get them the most, the most training in the most, uh, you know, in the most rigorous way. And so I see synthesis the, the next five years are about kind of creating that, right? Like a game-based school on the internet based on team games. You can start at age seven, you can, you know, move your way up and, you know, through playing these games, develop like a comprehensive understanding um, understanding of the world um, because we, we kind of mix in these like mental models with the game. So we, so you mix in every every game kind of exhibits these mental models or like patterns that you that you encounter in across domains in life. So, for example, the first game has a network uh, like compounding networks in the game. Right. And those, those come up all over the place. Like Facebook's like a compounding network effect. Uh, you know, there, there's a ton of these and these concepts are present in the game. And then you, as you uncover the concepts in the game, we're kind of connecting it to things outside the game, things to the, in the world. So the idea is to like build this sequence of games that gets you like a comprehensive understanding of the world, you know, just, just through playing the games, like uh, completely effortless apart from, from playing. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of like the, that's the first stage. And that's like what we're, what we're totally focused on right now. Um, but I, I do, I do think, you know, if, if there's a couple other things that if no one else gets to, you know, in a, in a way that we're satisfied with that we'll probably get into. So I always think like, what's the, you know, how do you, what, what kind of skills the kids need if they're going to make a, make an impact 
in the world live a life of self-determination. And I think it really comes down to kind of two things. If you, I mean, you take Elon for an example, he does two things really well. He has an imagination. He's got a great imagination. So he can look at some problem and he can imagine a better solution. You can just imagine we could have a colony on Mars or imagine there's tunnels everywhere and you can just zip around at the speed of sound and get wherever you want to go. And then there's the imagination is only part of it. The other part is understanding how things work. Like he understands physics. He understands political systems. He, he, he gets like, he gets how things work. And so you need both to be able to make your, you know, to be able to build your dreams, you need both of those things. And so I think uh, that's kind of the, those are, those are kind of like two ends of the curriculum that I see at, at synthesis is like, I think we could, I don't know exactly how to do it, but what I'd be really interested in doing is something where, you know, we're looking at systems with kids from a pretty young age and just asking them to engage in that imaginative work. How could you imagine this works differently? You know, what would be really cool if you could make it happen? Okay, let's learn about that system and let's figure out how it actually works. So let's figure out a plan where, you know, we can actually get to that thing that you imagine. And I think if, you know, I, I think it's just very powerful to understand how things work. I think that that's like, that's quite powerful. And I don't, there's like really very little education in schools like that. I mean, probably primarily because teachers like mostly don't understand how things work either. Um, and that's, that's, you know, I, I see that as like a big problem and something that could really, you know, be impactful. I mean, that's a critical flaw, right? You know, a lot of teachers are, are young, uh, you know, they're fresh out of college. They haven't had real world experience, whether it's, you know, in building a business or being a part of something like that. Uh, you know, they don't, they haven't acquired the skills oftentimes to uh, become successful in some other aspect outside of academia. And, and this is no disrespect to teachers. I, my family is full of them. And I, I once wanted to be a teacher myself, but it's just the reality is that they oftentimes are lacking those skills. So uh, being able to have an expert in the field of, let's say, physics, someone who can uh, describe the system, the way that it works, um, some of the uh, core principles of, the, of that subject, and be able to understand it in, uh, to the point where they can create a game or... Uh, some sort of interactive uh, activity that has those principles, has those, has that knowledge embedded in it is sort of a very special thing that can only be done by, I can imagine, you know, you got to be really smart to just to design these programs. And so I think that's where it goes beyond the caliber of maybe your everyday average teacher. And that's again, no disrespect to them, but it just takes, um, you know, a, a much higher level of understanding of any given field to be able to not only teach it, but to deliver in a way that's so top of the line, uh, effortless and fun for kids. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a great point. And that's why I think, I think games are like a, just a huge part of the future of learning because it like when you have a topic that is broad enough, it's got broad enough appeal. So you're going to get a lot of people to engage in learning that. Then it's just almost always, it seems like going to be better to, to, create a game to teach that thing. Cause if you've got a big enough market, you can put the resource, you can, you know, you could put $10 million into developing a game. Whereas like, that's, that's just, it's going to be much more powerful than relying on just whoever is close by 
who can explain that to you. Like just the amount of effort you can put into learning experiences when the experiences are scalable, it's just a completely different, completely different game. I mean, I learned this at, because I was at this company class dojo, which is a, um, like a messaging app that's got uh, for K-12, it's got something like reaches like 30 million kids a month, something like that. Um, and we did these lessons on growth mindset and this Carol Dweck's idea of growth mindset. Um, like you know, the idea of your brain is like a muscle and we made these animated videos. I think we, we spent like a hundred thousand dollars on it and, and just countless hours, you know, making sure we got this right, like writing, writing scripts, making animatics, like testing those with the kids to make sure the lessons are coming through, like testing the conversations that we would hope teachers would have just so much effort just because it's scalable. And, you know, I think that's, I, I just, I think, you know, more and more things are going to go that way. And I think, uh, I think a game is probably like kind of like the, just the pinnacle way to teach. If, if you can learn something from a game, like you're going to, you'd rather learn it from a game. I think almost always is very rare that an explanation is going to beat a game for uh you know, for a sufficiently broad topic. Yeah. I mean, and I think of it from the kid's perspective also, you know, if they're in an uncomfortable or, or they're bored in some sort of, you know, in like a, typical education setting, uh, the likeliness that that information or whatever the, you know, the core concept of the lesson plan is will stick with them, you know, when they're in a bored negative state compared to when they're in a happy, engaged, uh, collaborative state, you mm-hmm. know, I think that just makes all the difference. Also, you see how much, like I, I read on your website, how Elon Musk said, like, he never has to convince his kids to, you know, play video games. Like it's very right. intuitive and natural. Like they want to engage in that. And I'm sure the what they take away from video games is much more uh, ingrained in them than, you know, what they might be taking away from, you know, a a reading lesson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's, it's, I I think it's, it's a very, um, there's a limit to what you can teach, you know, there's a limit to what you can teach by force. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That you can, you can teach things. I was just a, God, I was just reading this horrible article about the uh, the the Uyghur, the camps for the Uyghurs in uh, in China, and they they just they basically have these people repeat, you know, uh, repeat and like memorize, you know, lessons about Chinese history and the the greatness of the Chinese Communist Party and everything. Um, and yeah, it's just it, they they, re, they memorize it, and yep. you know, you, you can teach Latin or something in the same way, but it's. Uh, you know, I, I think that's, there's a limit, limit to what you can do that way. Yeah. It's like other consequences. Totally. It's hard programming. And if they're not in a state to accept that information, you know, in in a positive state, then, then if anything, it can have the opposite effect where whatever they learn, they might, you know, uh, throw to the side, not, 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 embrace as a part of them because they didn't enjoy that setting. And of course the, the Uyghurs yeah. in China is a whole different story compared to our modern education system in the United States. But <laughs> oh, uh, I think yeah, the that's same, gonna, that's going to be the headline. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Someone will take that, uh, say yeah, I'm comparing the education system, but, um, well, yeah. I mean, I think the other, I mean to imply that <laughs> <laughs> not by no stretch of the imagination, but I think psychologically there's, you know, there must be some similarity and, well, the other, the other, uh, aspect that you mentioned, the imagination is also something that I think, uh, is it, it's like critically lacking in modern education. And I think it's, it's something that 
uh, people don't understand that you can't do anything unless you imagine yourself doing it first. You know, if, if you haven't imagined it, if you haven't visualized it, then it doesn't exist or, or it's not possible. So giving actually, you know, uh, encouraging that skill set in young kids is like, you know, that can have such a dramatic effect on their lives. Cause if they never really imagine much for themselves, then they're not going to amount to much. If they can imagine, you know, uh, themselves doing really big things and accomplishing, you know, big goals or achieving certain statuses in life, then it becomes, you know, possible totally. for them. That becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, I think. Yes. I, I, yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah. I think, I think possibly Elon works this way, or I think he kind of like makes these bold claims and then, I don't, I'm not sure he always has an idea of how he's going to do it, but, but making the bold claim then gets yeah. you started on solving the problem. And then, you know, maybe you can do more than, than you imagine you could do. I mean, think about the claim of going to Mars, you know, uh, anyone else, like, like, you know, if I just said, Hey, you know, I'm going to start a company and eventually we're going to go to Mars, you know, people would think you're crazy, but just projecting that to enough people with, with a certain level of credibility, even though Elon is, you know, hotly contested, and you know, people still think he's, you know, like scamming people or something. Uh, just the fact that he can anchor in your minds, this and plant this seed of we're going to go to Mars, uh, gets enough people energized, enough people thinking that direction that, uh, you know, it, it can be persuasive on a huge scale for people to consider that uh, reality possible and that thus making it possible. Yeah. 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 It's an exciting time. Cause I think kids, the kids are more exposed to, you know, like, like a lot of the kids in synthesis, they're, they're fans of Elon. Right. So they, they get to see that example. It makes them dream a little bit bigger, I think. And uh, yeah, all, all good things. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I mean, for you, what, what is it that drives you to do this day in, day out? You know, like I, I think for a lot of people who maybe haven't started a business before, you know, it's, it's all day, every day, ups and downs, really hard. It's a grind, you know, well, yeah. where, where do you find, uh, you know, your motivation to, you know, walk down this road? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think I would just be, I'd be bored, you know, no, I don't know. I just, just kind of like the actions. I think I just, I just, even though it's not like, uh, you know, it's not all, all butterflies and rainbows. It's, uh, it's not as hard as something that's like actually hard, right? Like it's not, it's, it's not like, uh, you know, I've, I've had friends or they, the kids have cancer, you know, like, so it's not, it's not hard in, in any meaningful, uh, you know, when you compare it to other things. And then it's, uh, of course you could have an easier life, maybe just like working a job, but that this is fun. Like this is, it's just like a game. It's just like an all consuming game, right? It's, uh, and I just think it's like the most fun game trying to create something from nothing. Five months ago, there was no synthesis company. There's nothing you could sign up for or anything like that. Now there's a thing and like we have customers and there we have supporters and uh, you get emails all the time from the parents and, and from the kids. And that's just, that's just cool. Right? Like what, what could be better? I mean, I, I think what you're doing is absolutely unbelievable. Like, I, I think it's, uh, there's such a void for it that it's really one of the most exciting areas in my mind because you look at the scale of all the kids that are, that are going through the school system today. And when you think of all that lost productivity, all that lost energy, it's, it's a, a mind blowing amount. 
Uh, so if you're able yeah. to reorient that energy, if you're able to retain that and redirect it and uh, put it into a place where students can be more productive and learn more and come out the other side more effective, the ramifications of that, it's much more than just what each individual person takes away from it. You know, we're talking, you know, on scale, it's, it's how effective is the United States at embracing the 21st century. And when you compare us to other countries like China, like they're not messing around, uh, you know, and oftentimes I think some of our, uh, old decrepit systems, especially our educational system is one that's going to, you know, it, it's one of the most, rot with problems that's going to leave us in the dust, uh, you know, over the next hundred years, if we don't do something about it. Yeah, that's totally right. And I mean, one of the things I think we can do particularly well with synthesis is, you know, technological, um, technological education, because it's just very difficult for schools to do that because they, they don't have a technologist by, by and large. I mean, you can, you can make a lot of money if you're, if you're good at, at technology, you're good at engineering and, um, you know, working with kids is hard. It's hard to be a teacher. And so it's hard to attract people. It's probably, you know, yeah, pro- probably almost impossible um, to attract those types of people to be teachers at scale. Um, but on the internet, you know, I think there's, it gives you just a lot more options to figure out, you know, ways to teach these things at, at, at scale. Um, and yeah, I, I think, uh, I think that's going to be definitely like one area where it's just very difficult for the local schools to do it. And I, people are going to have to look online for sure, but incredibly exciting because I mean, yeah, like you said, imagine a world where, you know, kids get into this stuff pretty early and get this. I, I think a lot of what we're doing at synthesis is just building this like problem solving confidence. And you see it, my, uh, our CEO, COO was just, uh, just texting me. Like you see it from level one to level two, the kids show up at level one, they're asking a million questions. What are we supposed to do? How does this work? And we just don't answer them. We just throw them into the chaos and say like, you're, you know, you're going to figure it out. And they're just kind of horrified by that in the beginning. But then by level two, like they're used to it. They're just like, they're not asking you to explain anything to them that they think they can figure out themselves. So I would hope that, you know, one of the things we can accomplish is just getting, getting a critical mass of kids who have that problem solving confidence. Like, no, I've, I've like faced down, I've faced down the, uh, you know, the dragons and yeah, I know I can overcome this, this stuff. I can learn anything. And uh, yeah, I, I, that's, that's one of the hopes at least. I mean, just to be able to pave those neural pathways early on, you know, is, is it's a blessing for a kid because otherwise they might get to the age 18, uh, get out of high school and then be confronted with that reality for the very first time that they have to figure out, you know, what they're going to do, what, what are they supposed to do is no longer the right question. Um, and, yeah. you know, trying to figure out the nature of the game that they're in of, you know, just the marketplace in life, uh, is, is very daunting. So if you can sort of pave those neural pathways for them to be able to approach a problem and then, uh, you know, understand the problem that solve the problem, it, you know, it's, uh, it's remarkable. I, I can imagine the difference I'll make in their, you know, adult lives. Yeah. Well, you know, so much of education, I think, especially early, it's like training your biochemistry. Uh, you kind of yes. call it like neural pathways, but it's like, what do you do when there's a problem that's, that looks very difficult and you can't solve it? Like, how does that, how does that make you feel? And I, I think what good parents do, what good teachers do is you put your kids into that chaos, you know, in, in a kind of managed way. And then by doing that, you teach them 
oh, when there's when there's chaos, things are difficult. I just figure out how to overcome it. Like that's what happens. And they more important even than like the words to describe that is just the like the feeling. Like when you've just oh, I've, like I've I've been here before. I've been yeah. confronted with things that are worse than this. I I've always come out ahead. Like I can do it. Um, you know, giving kids that it, it, it just needs to be like something that's like encoded in, in biochemistry more so than like taught explicitly. Yeah. It's, it's giving them the confidence because they know that if they've done it once before, they can do it again. And exactly. you know, that that's, you know, you can't even put a price on that at all compared to, you know, you, like you mentioned earlier, the learned helplessness that I think a lot of students walk away from the education system with is, you know, detrimental to them for their entire lives. Oh, totally. I had that. It took me way longer to learn how to, how to program because I thought I was bad at it because, uh, cause I'd done it in school and, uh, I just like was, couldn't just so bored by it in school. I did, did a terrible, terrible job with it. And then I ended up, I joined class dojo as like the first engineer as like a hyper growth startup, you know, like a really great job for an engineer. And, um, you know, I just, I kind of, I just bit of taught myself cause I'd wanted to build things you know, and then learn from the people around me. And, um, yeah, I just, I just think that it was, it, it was such a detriment to like go through life, like thinking I was like bad at math and go bad at programming when it's like, it really was just, I, you know, it wasn't relevant to anything that I wanted to do. And like the way that it was taught was like, not, it was like teaching me the tool and not a problem to solve. And like, once I had problems I wanted to solve, like the learning to code was not, not super difficult. Yeah. It's very much like the, Richard Feynman way of thinking also, you know, like mm. that, uh, you know, learning math for the sake of doing, you know, understanding how to do math on a textbook is completely useless unless you know what you're actually applying it to. And, you know, so I think that's, you know, it's remarkable that you even have a product that's able to deliver that in a service for, for kids to be able to deliver that sort of experience to give them that confidence and, you know, probably help avoid, you know, again, helping to avoid that learned helplessness for a, a lifetime is, you know, that's a crazy yeah, amount yeah. of value. That's the big thing. That's what Josh always talks about. My co-founder, Josh, like just kids need agency. Like the kids should be in the driver's seat as much as possible. Cause like you're, you're a lot of his work at Ad Astra was around uh, kind of, kind of giving kids a chance to make decisions under conditions of complexity and, and uncertainty. So not, not having that ne never was there like a, you know, very rarely would there be like a worksheet where there's like an answer that you can give and the teacher can be like, that's right. Or that's wrong. It's like almost always these like very difficult, like moral or ethical questions and just like teaching kids to like, just engage with that. Right. Like when you got something that doesn't really make sense, just, just jump in, just, just jump in and try to figure it out. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's given it's that, that agency, just core concept of agency just keeps coming back. That's a really that's, great point. And, and I think, you know, we, we've seen it sort of over, you know, the past couple of decades where if anything, kids have been prevented from having any sort of control over their lives, you know, kids are more sheltered than ever before. So uh, taking away sort of like that free time to, you know, explore the world that they live in, uh, you know, we keep uh, most kids sort of sheltered in these, these bubbles, uh, you know, it, it, it removes a lot of that agency. That's a great, great point. The, the final thing that sort of comes to my mind is uh, just when it comes to the day and age that we live in today, where 
you know, the internet is all abundant. It's in our pockets. Every single one of us has access to information, you know, basically all of the information that built our society, you know, all, all access to all the classics in our pocket, YouTube, Google, you would think that we would have the most educated students, you know, the world has ever seen all of human history, but it seems like we're far from that. And I think with what you're doing, it's, it's bringing us closer to that reality where with this technology that we have, we're actually developing an education system to match, you know, the, what we know about the world and, and, you know, making it work. So I think that's incredibly admirable. I commend you for it. Uh, and I really love the mission of, of synthesis. I think it's an amazing thing. Well, thank you. appreciate that. So for the audience out there who, uh, wants to learn more, where, where would you direct them? Uh, so our website's uh, synthesis.is and uh, you can follow me on, on Twitter. I you know give pretty frequent updates about, you know, what we're up to. I'm at Chrisman Frank. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's the way to stay in touch. Excellent. And before we wrap up here, do you have any final words or asks or anything for the audience? No, no, uh, no. Thanks for having me on though. I appreciate it. It's a lot of yeah, fun. Thank you. Yeah. This is a blast for me. I, I'm really excited to see, you know, I'm, I'm still mind blown that you're only five months into this program because, uh, you know, again, seeing the excitement and engagement of the students in the program, uh, in that short video, like it, it really did, you know, sort of, uh, start something in my mind and I'm really excited to see where this goes, you know, oh, that's uh, awesome. one, two years yeah. down the road. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Definitely. It's early days and it's, uh, changing, uh, changing very quickly. So yeah, I'm also very excited to see what's going to happen in the next, uh, next year or two. Well, I wish you the best of luck, Chris, man. Thank you again for joining us today. Cool. All right. Thanks, Patrick. Right. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at KWC pod on Instagram at knowledge without college podcast. You can find me Patrick Butler at Patrick Butler zero zero on Instagram and Twitter. I encourage you to send over any feedback you have. If there's any guests you'd like to hear on the show, any topics you'd want to hear discussed. I want to know about it. I want to hear your feedback and opinions. So please, Help me make this a better experience for you. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have an excellent day and thanks for listening.